Hey, hey, that's enough. Oh, I see. Oh, I see how we are. So now, yo voy a predicar todo este mensaje en español. Uh-huh. How you like me now? I just said I'm going to preach this whole message in Spanish. Uh-huh. Now you're like, so what did I come to church for? Anyway, thank you guys so much. Man, I love how we are okay with having fun in God's house. Come on. Church shouldn't be stuffy. Church shouldn't be boring, right? That's what keeps sinners away. <laughs> and we need sinners in here. Come on. So, man, so glad that you have joined us today. Um, so, as you guys heard uh, Carissa say, Pastor Jason is sick this morning. So, please be praying for him, that, that he recuperates, that, you know, um, today's Sunday, so we need him back by at least Christmas Eve, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, yeah, he's preaching Christmas Eve. I just want him to know, and if he listens to the recording, you are preaching Christmas Eve. <laughs> All right, so... You know, we, we've been going through, through this series of hope. And last week, Pastor Isaiah did an amazing job. And I know and I, he's not here. He's with our kids. But come on, let's put our hands together for the great job that Pastor Isaiah did. But also, I want to thank you, our Good News Church family. Because here we have an early 20-somethings pastor that comes and shared the word of God. And you guys honored him. You guys respected him. And you guys responded. So I want you to give yourself a round of applause. Come on. Because, see, we learn from one another. It doesn't matter the age, right? It doesn't matter the age. As the word of God is being shared and we allow Holy Spirit to speak directly into our hearts and minds, God can do something through anyone. Amen? All right, so Pastor Isaiah last week, he used a couple of, uh, he used a, a long scripture passage, and I don't know if you guys realize, he covered 52 verses in the Bible, and he did it, and his timing was great, his delivery was great, and he gave us the story of Lazarus. Many of you have heard that story of Lazarus, but he began his message by sharing out of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, what it says that all things, can you say all things? All things work together for the, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And then he talked about how Lazarus got sick. And then they sent word to Jesus that his friend, his good friend Lazarus was sick. And then Jesus shows up late. Jesus shows up four days after he received that, that, the notice that his friend was sick. So as he shared, you guys know that. Three days was what they believe in their time that your spirit hover over the body. For three days was okay for Jesus to be laid, but not four days. Because any chance for a miracle was gone after the third day. So see, that is very, very critical because sometimes we think in our own lives that the time for God to move and to do something in our lives is over. We're past the point of hope. And let me tell you that when, when Jesus steps in the scene... It's never late. He is never late. Amen. And Pastor Isaiah shared on the divine delay. So let me tell you that perhaps you're in a season of a divine delay, but God is never late. All right. Today, we're going to look at two stories 
in the Gospels where Jesus restores hope. Okay? Jesus restores hope. And this is, these stories are of two men, very different from one another. But let's take a look at it right now. Uh, please stand as we read Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. It says this, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with the Large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me!" Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, "Son of David, have mercy on me!" Jesus stopped and said, "Call him." So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your spirit in this place. We thank you, God, for Holy Spirit in our lives and inside of us. Thank you that through Jesus Christ, your son, we have hope. God, thank you that that hope never disappoints. Thank you, God, for your people. I pray that they may have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying specifically to them. I pray that you tailor make this message to their needs, God, to the place where they find themselves, God. No matter how low, no matter how high, I pray, God, that you will speak through your humble servant. God, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. And I pray, God, that by your Spirit, you will bring revelation, Lord. I thank you in advance. Thank you for transformation. Thank you for restoration, God, in Jesus' name. And all God's people say amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so here we find Jesus traveling through Jericho and on his way out of Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd following him. Then we're introduced to this man, blind Bartimaeus, and he steps in the scene. We don't know much about this man other than the fact that he is blind and that he is begging so he's a blind beggar. The other thing that we see from the story is that he knew who Jesus was. And it is clear as we read verse 47 because it says, When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he called out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is very, very important. Because what he said was in accordance or in connection to who was there. I want you to see this because when he heard that Jesus was there, he cried out. See, it was Jesus of Nazareth. And he did not care who was around him. He did not care who did not want him there. By 
Bartimaeus calling out to Jesus in that moment, he was letting us know one thing. He had placed his hope in Jesus. He had placed his trust in Jesus. See, he wasn't saying those words to anybody else. It's a large crowd. But when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth who was there, then he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Why is that important? Because it is all about who you place your hope on. As we've been talking about in this series, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. See, as we've been talking in this series, hope lives because Jesus lives. And blind Bartimaeus, in that moment, made a decision that changed the rest of his life. He made a declaration in that moment. I'm going to cry out to this Jesus of Nazareth. What is, in, what is important also is the response from the crowd and his response to their response. Verse 48 says that many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But look at what he did. He says, but he shouted all the more. He shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Church, I don't know how many times you've been told to shut up. I don't know how many times you've been told not to place your trust on that Jesus anymore. Look, he hasn't done anything for you. Look, your situation is not changing. But see, when the enemy comes against you, when people come against you, even when your own thoughts get in the way, what must we do? We cry out all the more. Can you say all the more? See, when your situation says, this is not going to get better, all the more. When those that are around you say, shut up, you cry out all the more. See, when Satan wants to keep you quiet, because he understands the power there is in the words and the declarations that you make, then we cry out all the more. Come on. This is exactly what Blind Bartimaeus was doing. I wonder how many of us would have done this. I wonder how many of you would have interrupted the service. See, I wonder how many of us will be willing to, be, to make a scene. Oh, no, no. Jesus is on his way. He's doing his thing. We don't, don't want to. Don't want to rock the boat, right? I, I don't want to make a scene. I, I don't want to put all the attention on me. See, there's a place in life when you are desperate. I don't know how many of you have ever been desperate in your life, but you get to a place where desperation is so deep within you that you can't do nothing else but cry out, Jesus! And I told this to first service. I believe. That desperation makes a man or a woman of God dangerous. Desperation makes you dangerous. Why? Because desperation puts you at a place where you end, when you get to the end of what you're able to do. You understand? You get to the end of what your abilities are. You get to the end of your resources. And all you have is Jesus. 
And now you just became dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Now you stepped into a place, you stepped into a place that God is on blast. <laughs> See, because just like we talked about Lazarus, Jesus was late with a purpose. In our minds, he was late. He did not want to heal another sick guy. You understand that? That he does not want to heal another sick guy. He wants to raise the dead. That which people say is not doable, that's the thing he wants to do. And here we have blind Bartimaeus saying, I don't care what you'll say. I don't care what you all do. I will call out to this man because my hope is in him. And see, I'm in a place of desperation where there's nothing else I can do but cry out, Jesus. So that's what I must do. Do you realize that God responds to our cry? Do you realize that when you cry out, so Jesus is on his way out of Jericho, and he hears this voice, and he's, uh-uh, hold on, no, okay, what was that? Just like you, when you cry out. Jesus is busy. <laughs> he is. He has a lot going on. A lot more than you and I. But when you cry out, then, hold up. Uh, my son is calling. My daughter is calling. How do I know this happened? This happens. Looks at, look at verse 49. Verse 49 start, starts with two very simple yet powerful words. Verse 49 begins by saying, Jesus stopped Jesus stopped when was the last time that we caused Jesus to stop see that's what a cry of desperation does that's that's what someone who has placed their trust and hope in Christ is able to do see we have a blind man a beggar who's there at the city gate, laying down, asking for money, and everybody passing by. Nobody's giving him the time of day. But Jesus is not like that. And perhaps people are passing you by. Perhaps people see you as insignificant. Maybe perhaps you feel insignificant. But man, can I encourage, can I encourage you to cry out? All the more, cry out. In the midst of the desperation, cry out. Jesus stopped to notice him. What is interesting to me is this. Can you guys imagine what would happen uh, to blind Bartimaeus? To what had happened to his life if he would not cry out? If he would have taken the cues from the crowd and just shut up? Because I believe that if he doesn't cry out, Jesus doesn't stop. Do you understand that? Do you understand what that means? The repercussions, the consequences that that could happen, that that could happen in your own life as you decide to be quiet, as you allow to be shush and silenced. 
There's some big consequences. Because Jesus stopped because he cried out to him. Then all of a sudden, Jesus calls him over, says, bring him here. He comes. And Jesus asks a very simple yet perplexing question to me. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Why do I say that this question is perplexing to me? Because to me it is obvious. Right? Number one, Jesus knows all things, sees all things. He knows the dude is blind. He knows what he wants. Number two, the guy is blind. So it doesn't take a genius to understand that this man wanted to see. But there is such a brilliance. Jesus is a genius. There's a reason why Jesus asks this man, what do you want me to do for you? You know why? Because from his own declaration, from blind Bartimaeus' declaration, everyone will know who he has placed his, G- his hope on. Do you understand that? On verse, on verse 51, when Jesus asked the question, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I wonder how come he did not say that to all the hundreds of people that were there. You know why? Because the rest of them couldn't do anything about it. Do you understand that he knew, he's like, you know what? I'm going to talk to you about this because you're the only one that can do what I need. So he was at the end. He was at the end of his abilities, his resources. He knew that there was nothing else. Beyond that, there was no hope outside of Jesus. Praise God. Church, your answer to the question, what do you want me to do for you, is your declaration of faith. Your answer to that question, what do you want me to do for you, is your declaration of faith. Whom have you placed your trust and your hope on? This is so important. He places trust, his faith in Jesus. And it's not just because I'm saying it. Jesus said it himself in verse 52. Jesus replied to this man as he said that. You know what? Before we get there, there's something that just God kind of open my mind a little bit on first service about this um the man's response was rabbi i want to see rabbi i want to see do you guys understand that blind bartimaeus did not even have the right picture the right understanding of who jesus really was because a rabbi is a teacher So he's saying, teacher, I want to see. Do you understand that Jesus is just not a teacher? Do you understand that he's just not a prophet? Do you understand that he's not only the son of God, but he is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is the one that came to restore hope to a dying humanity. And he is the only one that can save you from destruction. Do you understand that? That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus was. That's what Jesus will always be. But this man does not call Jesus by Messiah. I want to see. He had a limited understanding of who Jesus was, and God honored that. God honored that. So you may not quite have the right understanding, but guess what? When you call out to him, he doesn't care if you just call him daddy. Whoops, did I say that? There's some religious people that get offended. 
But if that's all you know him as, guess what? You can call him daddy. He's not offended. Just want to let you know. All right, back to the text. Verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. How did Jesus know he had faith? Because he is asking him, have mercy on me. He's making a declaration, I'm a sinner. I know I have no business talking to you. And then after that, when he's asked, he says, I want to see. You're here, and I'm calling out to you because you're the answer, and I want to see. It is just such an amazing exchange that happens in this text. Hebrews 11.1 1 in NLT says that faith is the confidence of what we hope for. The confidence of what we hope for. And what we hope for is in Jesus. Hope is anchored in the character of God. Hope gives us context of our past and purpose in our future. Hope gives us context for our past, but also gives us hope for the future, purpose for our future. I want you to see your past through the eyes of Jesus. I want you to see your past circumstances, perhaps your past loss and suffering through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of hope. I want you to see that whatever tragedy has come your way, that God can turn everything for the good of those who love him. Well, in God's economy, nothing is wasted. Your tears, your prayers, your serving, your giving, nothing is wasted. But see, there's something that happens when God moves in your life. And it happens in this story and it happens in the following story that we're going to read in just a moment. But in verse 52, it says that, Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I want you to see that blind Bartimaeus, when he got to the end of his road and called out to Jesus, Jesus healed him immediately. And what did he do in response? What did he do? Follow him. Follow him. Oh, boy. This is very, very interesting. We are not really acquainted with our following means in our culture. Why? Because this is a little bit of what it looks like in our culture. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What do you need? I need to be forgiven. I need to have life more abundantly. And Jesus says, there you go. Receive my spirit. And then we get happy. We say, oh, this is amazing. Jesus, follow me. Yep, I know it hurts, but that's how we do it. Yeah, it hurt me. But listen, what I'm going to say here, we understand, but they have not understood anything I'm saying. They would not have understood what I'm going to say to you. But when you call out to Jesus, when he is your hope There is no unfollow button with Jesus. 
Do you understand this? There's no unfollow button with Jesus. Just like you go on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snap, whatever. You know, like when people annoy you and there's a little button, you say, unfollow. You just leave me alone. Oh, you're talking too much smack. I don't like what you say. I don't follow. Really easy. With Jesus, there's not such thing. Guess what? He called you. He called every single one of you. And now your responsibility is to follow. And even when you think that you do have an imaginary unfollow button for Jesus, oh, he got plans for you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now because I try to click that button. And have you ever pressed anything on a digital touch screen? And it doesn't work. That was happening to me as I was trying to check a little guy. But check him in. And, and you press and press and nothing is happening. I've tried that. doesn't work. So let me, let's go to this story in John chapter 21. But before we get into the particular story, I want to give you a background of this story. Because in John chapter 21, this takes place after Jesus was crucified, after Jesus is, uh, is resurrection. And so everybody's scattered. He has already uh, shown himself to, to the ladies that came to the tomb and to the disciples and all of that. But this is all after all of that happens. And then they go into the hideout. They're hiding because now their lives are in danger because Jesus is dead. And now Jesus is no longer around. What are we going to do? So in chapter 21 of the book of John, then we find Peter or some of his brothers, his homies, they're out fishing. They go out fishing. Why? Because they were fishermen before Jesus called them. So what are we going to do? We're going to go back to the thing that we know. We're going to go back to that one thing that we feel comfortable in. Man, there is comfort and security in the familiar, right? Doesn't matter how bad it is. Doesn't matter how difficult it is. Doesn't matter how much it stinks. There's, there's comfort in the familiar. So here we are in John chapter 21. They have been fishing all night and they have not caught one fish. They have not caught anything. And then there's this guy walking on the shore and says, hey, fellas, what are you doing? We're fishing. Well, we have not caught anything. He says, cast your net on the other side. They do that. And boatload of fish. 153 large fish. The NLT translation says 153. And these are large fish, not like, like bros. I know what you guys do, right? You guys go fishing and it's like, tell your story. And you're like, I caught this fish. And it was really like this. But by the time you get done with your story, it's like this. It's like it was a salmon the size of the, the fish that swallowed Jonah. That's a lie. Here we're talking about such a load that they're almost sinking. And this is what happens. So after they do this, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And like, who's that guy? We don't know who's that guy. And John taps Peter and says, hey, Peter, that is the Lord. Peter, <laughs> who uh, it reminds me a lot of myself, without thinking, he puts on his tunic. He jumps in the water, starts swimming to shore. He just, oh, I got to see this for myself. He starts going to shore. And then when they get to shore, there's already fire going. As a fire started, and Jesus says, hey, can we have some fish? And Jesus feeds them. He cooks the fish. Some of you guys that don't like to cook, perhaps you should be more like Jesus. 
That was for somebody. And all the ladies say amen. amen. Praise God. All right, but let's get back to the text. So that's what has happened up to this point. And then we get into John 21. And let's begin in verse 15. When they have finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. Interesting because Jesus has already fed them. Again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 18. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate what kind of death by, by which Peter will glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. There's a, there's a tension that I didn't tell you about in this passage and in this chapter. And the tension is this. They're all eating, sitting down with Jesus. And the Bible says there, I believe it's like around maybe verse 7, that they didn't even, they didn't even want to ask him who he was. So there was a tension like they did not want to ask him who he was. So imagine that conversation like, hey, you ask him. Oh, no, man. I know last time I asked a question, what happened? You ask him. No, 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 you do it. So you have this tension, right, that's going on. But they said, the Bible says that they knew that it was the Lord. So that's a, that's a good thing. I love the fact that we serve a God that wants to bring wholeness in our lives. A God that wants to restore every one of us to wholeness. Because, see, Jesus asked the question, Peter, do you love me more than these? Again, that may seem like a, like a simple question, but it is a very specific reason. There's an intentionality when Jesus asked a question. So you guys know Peter. Peter was called Simon first. And Simon means God has heard. But Jesus changed Peter's name, Simon's name, to Peter. Which it means rock. Now this is very, very interesting. And I want you to catch this. Jesus changed his name. But in this passage, after the, the resurrection, Jesus is not calling him by his name. The name that he gave him. He's saying Simon, son of John. <laughs> you know why? Doesn't say anywhere. But I think Jesus is calling him by the previous name because you've been acting like your previous you. <laughs> he doesn't call him Peter not one time here but this is what he does he asks him do you love me now this is important Peter is the guy that said and did things before he thought about him right time and time again they come apprehend Jesus he pulls out a sword and cuts the dude's ear one of the servant's ears off and just like hey no 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 that's not what we're doing here but he was confused because he's thinking, well, they're coming to get you. Now we fight. It's war. This is what I've been waiting for. 
Well, Jesus had a different kind of war in mind. Peter is the first individual to actually proclaim, actually declare that Jesus is Messiah before anybody else did. When Jesus asked the questions to the disciples, who do they say that I am? Well, some says you're John, some says you're a prophet, some says, he said, no, 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 who do you say? And it was Peter who piped up and said, you're the son of God. But Peter also was carrying some baggage at this point. In John, 20, uh, John 21, he was carrying the baggage of rejecting Jesus, not once, not twice, but how many times? Three times. You guys may remember the story. Jesus told him this will happen. Jesus told him this would happen, that he will deny Jesus. That he will betray Jesus three times. So when Jesus was apprehended, they were, oh, you're one of those that are going with him. No, I'm not. I mean, he even said that he did not even know the man and cursed. And this was the third time, which it was a young lady, a girl. And Peter folded. So imagine for all this time, the weight on Peter's mind. Imagine the guilt because Jesus told him before the crow. Crows, right? That's what it goes. Something like that. You will deny me three times. And when he heard that, then he's like, oh man. So imagine the guilt. Imagine the thoughts in his mind. Have you ever entertained any thoughts because you blew it? And now you begin to think, I'm not good enough. Now you begin to think, I am a failure. And that's exactly where Peter is at in this moment. And now Jesus asking him, do you love me? It's cutting deep. And the third time, Peter at this point is aggravated. It's like, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. There is a purpose in this question, church, because three times he denied him. Three times Jesus is restoring Peter's hope. Jesus is reassuring him of his calling. You know how I know that? Because Jesus showed up in the same place he called him. Peter was fishing the first time Jesus called him. See, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 in the New Living Translation says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother and his brother Andrew, they were casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And it talks about how Jesus saw these men and said, come follow me. That was the first time God called him. But then all of this other stuff happened, and Peter thought, you know what? I just pressed the unfollow button, and I'll go back over here to being just a mere fisherman. Because I'm not cut out to do that. That what you called us to do is too difficult. We can't, I can't do that. I'm not the guy. But Jesus, once, twice, three times, restored him back to his calling. Because right at the end, then he just told him, he said, follow me. Follow me. He restored Brian Bartimaeus' hope, and he's restored Peter's hope. Can I ask our band and, and choir to come up? This is 
These are two very different men. Two very different men. One of them was not held in high regard at all. Blind, begging, didn't have a way to make money. And just the mere fact that he was blind, people could look at him and say, oh, that's because he's a sinner. God is punishing him. Or his ancestors, his family has sinned. So there was shame that went with that too. The other man, one who actually got to walk with Jesus, one who left his life behind to follow him, gave everything he had to follow Christ. But then he screwed up. He blew it. And now he has to go back to the only thing he knew. Two very different men, one common denominator, Jesus. The one who personifies hope. first service um, I was just taking a couple notes just some prophetic things that just basically means that God's talking to you um, and I felt like he wanted to share this the first thing is for this year what is God asking you to do what is he asking you to do like for <laughs> for Peter Peter always went back to the familiar. Peter went back to what was comfortable. And I feel like there's some people who, particularly in this service, we're even calling things wisdom. And God is going, no, that's not wisdom. You're just being safe. And so for some of us, we, we keep returning to the familiar. We keep returning to the comfortable. And I think this year in 2020, we need to kind of get out of the boat, stop using the word, well, I'm just trying to use wisdom. And listen, I honor wisdom. I do. I think we use wisdom, but I think sometimes as Christians, we use that as an excuse to not get out of the boat because we want everything so lined up. So that's one thing I felt like God was telling me. The other thing is what I feel like God's asking, what do you need me to do? And I think some of us have stopped praying bold prayers. I really do. You haven't seen the answer. Maybe it's in sickness. Maybe it's in, in an unanswered prayer. The finances haven't been there. The marriage hasn't come through. You haven't gotten the, the answer. Ask and seek bold prayers this year. I'm begging you. I feel like I'm like my husband now. I beg y'all. Pray bold things. Pray bold things. You serve a God who's limitless. He'll shut doors for you. He will, but some of us are so comfortable and so safe and familiar that we as a culture, we're, we're for going on God adventures with some of you. We're for exploring purpose and, and letting those things out that God has put inside of you. So today as we close, the choir is going to lead us in a song called Emmanuel. And prophetically, I'm declaring as they sing that, those words, Emmanuel, it means God with us. God's drawing near to you. So we're going to stand. And if you need to respond to anything this morning, 
I'm saying the altars are open. Maybe some of you need to take that bold step out and say, God, this is my physical response to you because there's something in me you're asking me to do and, I'm, and I've said no. And so we're gonna release that over you today. Why don't you stand? And I'm gonna pray real quick and the choir's just gonna lead us. And some of us just need to be bold and just say, okay, God, that, that's what I'm gonna pray today. Father God, we lift our hands to you. We respond to you this morning, Lord. We're asking that just like blind Bartimaeus, that we would see, I pray revelation, Lord, of who you are. Father, you've heard the cries of those that have said, God, I just wanna see you. I just need to see something. And God, I declare that today, that this week, that in the months to come, Father, that they would see you. I pray, God, for bold prayers. I pray for bold faith. I pray for bold decisions, God, that the safe would begin to be uncomfortable, Lord. I pray that staying would be more uncomfortable than actually walking this thing out. So, God, we respond to you. We give you permission this morning, Father. We love you. We glorify you. Be honored in all our decision-making. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just worship with the choir this morning. Lift our voice in never-ending 